So this is what the story is for. There's a purpose behind it. It's a condensed chronological version of the Bible. But it's not meant to be a condensed Christianity. It's meant to expand our faith. It's meant to give us opportunities to share our faith as Chris is doing. It's meant so that we are able to take, as the title of today's message is, about a faith of a foreign woman. It's about faith in a place where we can do something that helps to change the lives of other people. We understand the idea of faith even in our common life. We have cliches that talk about how important it is not just to, to know something, but to do something. Um, why don't you finish these phrases for me? I'm sure you've heard them before. When the going gets tough, the going. you know it. Put your money when life gives you lemons, Make no, pain. no pain, this is where the rubber, keep your nose to the, put up or, all right. And so there is a lot, and there are more of these cliches that are basically saying in everyday life, don't just say you believe something show you believe something. Don't just say you're going to do something. Do it. Don't just believe that something is real. Prove it to me. And so we come to this chapter in the Old Testament. Um, and we come to this chapter in the, book, in the story, which is the book of Ruth. And if you've been reading the story, this week you read the shortest one of all. So if you read it out loud, 14 minutes, all right? If you just read it to yourself, even less. So it was, it was the best week to be sure you read a whole chapter of the story. And not only did you read a whole chapter of the story, you ended up reading a whole book of the Bible. So you could tell your friends, you know, I read a whole book of the Bible this week. And the story is telling us about a woman named Naomi. And as we go into her story, we see that she is a woman of faith. If you look in your outline, you see James chapter 2, verse 18. And there it says... Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. And so this is what Naomi, this is what Ruth are going to show us today. That not only do they speak about faith, but they show they have faith. And so at the very beginning of the book of Ruth, we read a story about a man, and his name is Elimelech. And he has a wife, and her name is Naomi. And there is a, a destitute situation in Bethlehem where they are having troubles with a famine and there's a great need for food and for work. And so Elimelech says to Naomi, let's go to another land, which happens to be Moab, and let's see if I can find work there and we can start a new life together. And so the two of them travel off to Moab. And there they have two children, two boys. And they have these boys and they begin to build their life, but then tragedy strikes. And the father, Elimelech, dies. But the boys grow up, and they find wives. They find Moabite wives. And so they get married, and then tragedy strikes again. And both of the boys die. And so now you have three widows. You have Ruth, which is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. You have Orpah, the other daughter-in-law. And then, of course, their mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi is forlorn and she decides that there's no future for her here anymore in Moab. She has no family. As a widow, she had needed a family to take care of her. 
And with two daughter-in-laws as widows, they couldn't take care of their mother-in-law either. And so she says to them, this is what I want you to do. And if you look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, you hear the words of Naomi as she speaks to her daughter-in-laws. And she says, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And so we begin to see Naomi, a woman of faith, begin to live out her faith. And the first thing that we see about Naomi is that even in the midst of tragedy, she lives out her faith by being unselfish. And this is a challenge for all of us as we face trials, even as we face everyday life, that God is calling us to a faith that is a faith of unselfishness. Ruth and Naomi both show us what it means to put other people first. Naomi is thinking about her daughter-in-law. She's not thinking about herself. She's already all alone in the land of Moab. At least she has this relationship with these two daughter-in-laws. But she tells them, you know what, what's best for you? What's best for you is that I'm going to leave and you go back to your family. They'll take care of you. And you can find other husbands, new husbands, who take care of you. I want you to go. I want you to have a life. But as for me, I've got to go back to Bethlehem. I've got to go back to where God would give me a second chance, I hope, of being able to find family and be able to survive. But then we see that they don't agree. Ruth wants to stay. Ruth wants to be with her mother-in-law. And so Ruth decides to go back with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem. Well, they do go back together, the two of them. And Naomi's heart is still broken. And so we hear the words of Naomi again speaking after she has now gone back to Bethlehem and she's with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And Ruth and Naomi are meeting their family and Naomi says this in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them in speaking to her family. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so we see a woman of faith, but also a woman who acknowledges her struggles with God. I think sometimes we think that if we have faith, we won't have doubts. I think we think that if we have faith, we won't complain about God and we won't complain to God. And yet, notice here that Naomi is very honest. And I think this is a very important part of our faith, is that we have to be honest with who we are and what we're struggling with. And Naomi, her name actually means beautiful. It means pleasant. But her life had become bitter. And so she says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me Mara, meaning that my life is bitter. But one thing important to notice here is that Naomi does not act like a bitter woman. See, she acknowledges that her life is bitter, but she doesn't act like a bitter woman. She's experiencing grief. She's experiencing loss. And yet she continues to be an unselfish woman, a woman of faith, a woman who wants to give to other people. But she's honest about her struggles with God. And actually, it's also her faith in God 
because she says, it's God who has brought this upon me. It's God who's allowed this to happen to me. She still continues to trust in God, even though this is a difficult situation. This is a challenge to us as we have problems within the things of our life where we are challenged with our faith. And we can take a note from Naomi and be honest with our friends and family. I think sometimes we think we can't tell our spouses that we're having doubts, or we can't tell our children that we're struggling in our faith. And yet Naomi shows us that that's okay. In fact, sometimes by just being open, by sharing what's on our hearts and sharing what's on our minds and and having an unedited tongue about the things that we're going through, you know, when somebody shares that, doesn't that actually make you feel like, oh my gosh, they're human. Actually, I'm just like them. I have doubts too. And we begin to relate to them. And it opens up conversations where you can be real to each other. You don't have to pretend to have some fancy kind of faith when in reality you are struggling with it, but you still have faith. And so Naomi continues to have this faith and be open, even though she's faced a tremendous tragedy. And she's struggling. She's struggling to find a new life, even in the midst of that tragedy. We will all find ourselves there in different ways at different times. And some people, more than others, will face very terrible tragedies in life. A professor at a college called Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington, uh, Professor Gerald Sitzer, was in a car accident a number of years ago. He was driving with his whole family, and in this one car accident, he was hit by a drunk driver. In this one accident, his mother, his wife, and his daughter were killed in one accident. And he struggled with that, of course. And he hurt and he struggled with God. But as he was working his way out of this struggle, working his way out of this disaster, he wrote a book. And the name of the book is called A Grace Disguised. And in this he says, the experience of loss does not need to be the defining moment of our story. The defining moment of our story can be the moment, the deciding moment can be our response to the loss. Think about that for a moment. The defining moment of our lives doesn't have to be the tragedy or the loss, but rather how we respond to it. How are we going to act now that has happened? He goes on and he says in the book, gifts of grace come to all of us. But we must be ready to see and willing to receive these gifts. It will require a kind of sacrifice, the sacrifice of believing that, however painful our losses, life can still be good, good in a different way than before. But nevertheless, good. I will never recover from my loss, and I will never get over missing the ones I lost, but I still cherish life. I will always want the ones I lost back again. I long for them with all my soul, but I still celebrate the life I have found because they are gone. I have lost, but I have also gained. I lost the world I loved, but I gained a deeper awareness of grace. That grace has enabled me to clarify my purpose in life and rediscover the wonder of the present moment. The wonder of the present moment. And even though he 
had experienced this great loss. And even though Naomi had experienced this great loss, there was still grace in the circumstance. And the grace came in the person of Ruth. Ruth was God's grace to Naomi. She was a woman who was going to stay with her and be with her no matter what. And so Ruth's faith takes a note from Naomi's faith. And she too is unselfish. And she too is honest. And she builds upon that faith of Naomi. And she adds it to her own. And she gives to Naomi loyalty and devotion. This is the next way of our faith in growing like Ruth's and like Naomi's. Ruth's faith is proven in this loyalty and this devotion. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth says, and these are the words that Ruth said. So the first part of the story, what we heard, was that Elimelech lived, Elimelech died. His two sons had married, both of them had died. Then the three widows were back in Moab, and Naomi decides she's going to go back home to Bethlehem. But she tells her daughters, no, I don't want you to go with me. I want you to have a new life. One of the daughters-in-laws, Orpah, decides to accept that and stay with her family. But the other one, Ruth, says, no, I won't go. I won't stay. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to leave my home in Moab, and I'm going to go with you to your home in Bethlehem. At that moment, these are the words of what Ruth said to Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, these are beautiful words. And maybe you've heard them before at a wedding. Right? And so these words are often used at a wedding where the husband and the wife say these words to each other, a sign of their devotion, a promise of their loyalty. But if we think about the context of these words, and we think about who it's being said to, then what would actually be appropriate in the wedding is at that moment when these words are being said, um, the wife turns away from her groom and looks at her mother-in-law and says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, imagine that that really did happen during a wedding. Can you imagine the heart of the mother-in-law? Can you imagine the bond that would happen there at that moment when everybody in the congregation at first goes, what's happening here, right? Right? You know, and then like all of us, when we hear about that, we go, that's sort of funny. But just imagine if that really did happen. What kind of bond would there be? Imagine that you turn to your father-in-law if you're married or your mother-in-law and you said that to them. How do you think they would feel about you? Now you can imagine how Naomi must have felt hearing that from Ruth. And not so much at a wedding, but almost closer to a funeral. And what those words would have meant. See, that's the kind of person Ruth was. And that's the kind of person God wants 
all of us to be. That's the kind of people God wants Harvest to be. That's the kind of people that God wants us as a community to be. We need to be like Ruth. Ruth is there. Ruth is there for people when they're lonely. If they feel abandoned, Naomi felt abandoned by God. Ruth is there. If people are disillusioned, Ruth is there. When people are disappointed, Ruth is there. When they go through a terrible trial, three men in their life die. Ruth does not judge. When they go through difficulty, Ruth does not blame. When they are forlorn, Ruth does not leave. People like Ruth are more concerned about others than even others are concerned about themselves. Ruth was more concerned about Naomi than even Naomi was concerned about herself. Ruth was a giving and loyal person. And this is what God wants in our families. This is why it is appropriate to be said to a husband and a wife. This is the kind of loyalty that every family member wants between themselves and between their children, between a child and between their mother. This is the kind of friendships that we want. This is the kind of loyalty and the devotion that we need within a church. This is the kind of community that God wants us to build. This is the kind of membership that God wants us to have with each other, being members one of another. And, and there are times within the life of a church that there are difficulties, and people go through those difficulties. And over the years that I've been here, I've seen an, a few of the members of our church leave. And it's always painful and it's always hard. But I always wonder, what is it? And why is it? When somebody says, and these are members, not just people who come to the church for a while and then leave, but these are people who have been here long enough to have actually gone through a membership class, to have actually joined in membership to the church, and then they leave. And I wonder why. And in researching or talking to them and finding out why, what was it that they left, there's some common denominators between them. And, and one of them is disappointment. One of them is disappointment. And, and oftentimes that disappointment is in the fact that they did not keep or find community. They felt disappointed because they felt disconnected to community. But they disconnected themselves as well. And sometimes I think there was unresolved conflicts within this community. And so instead of being able to deal with it, it was easier to leave. Another common point that I found in talking to some of these people is that there was dissatisfaction. There was something they were dissatisfied about the church. And what they felt was that if they went to another church, they would have their needs satisfied. And so essentially what they were saying was, my needs are not being met here. I can find my needs met somewhere else. If it were a cliche, what we would say is the grass is greener on the other side. It's that they were dissatisfied. And so, you know, the needs were not met, so their needs could be met somewhere else. And so they felt they had to leave. A third category that I would say that I've noticed in talking to some of these people is that they were disillusioned. And this had actually very little to do with the church. They were disillusioned in their faith. And so they didn't just go to another church. They just stopped going to church altogether. And so they were lost their faith. And they couldn't hold on to it. Those things are difficult. 
those things are hard. And we all face difficult times. And I suppose that there may be times where God would lead us to another place, to another church, but not because we're disappointed, and not because we're dissatisfied, and not because we're disillusioned. But in fact, it is during those times that we need to kick into gear our faith and to learn to be faithful and to not give up. With my children and with the things that I want to teach them, even as they are getting older now, it is don't give up. You know, it's a lot easier to give up than it is to grow up. It's a lot easier to give up than to grow up. But in places of our lives, in the church and out of church, there's so many times we just want to give up. But it is those times where God is giving an opportunity for us to grow, to become mature, to become stronger. And so what do we do? What do we do we want to give up? What do we do we want to just give in to the circumstances? So instead, let's think of this. Instead of giving up, instead of giving in, this is what works. It always works for me when I want to give up. It always works for me when I want to give in. And I've seen it work for other people as well. And that is that instead of giving up and instead of giving in, give out. Give out. It's interesting, if you come to church and you want your needs met, you'll be disappointed. But if you come to church and you seek to meet the needs of even just one other person, you'll find your purpose. Is that God calls us to give out. And giving out is one of the sure ways of growing outside of ourselves, of being like a Naomi who cares more about Ruth than about herself, or being like a Ruth who cares more about Naomi than she cares about herself. We live in a ruthless world. We do. We live in a ruthless world. We are going to face disappointments. The church, if you get close to people, I mean, so where do you have most of your problems? Don't you have them at home? Don't you have most of you? the, The most painful problems you have usually are the ones that you're closest to. So if we're really close as a community, if we're really close as a church, then it's only understandable that just like a family, we're going to see the sinfulness of each other. We're going to feel the weakness of our own flesh. We're going to want to give up on each other at times. But God says, don't. We live in this ruthless world. And when you see this ruthless world, then what you need to think of is we need more Ruth. We need more Ruth in a ruthless world. Will you be a Ruth? Will you be more like Ruth? Will you be more loyal when you want to give up? Will you be more devoted when you're needed? Will you hang in there and be faithful even though life says it stinks and it's hard? Because if you do, you will find a blessing. You you will. If you hang in there, I've never heard somebody say, I'm so glad I didn't give up because life just got worse. But I've heard many people through their stories say, I'm so glad I didn't give up because then life got better. And if we give up, we just end up going through the cycle all over again and needing to learn once more. 
God wants us not to give up so that he can bless us. And this is what God did in Naomi and Ruth's life. And so they've moved back now to Bethlehem. They've moved back and they've begun to try to rebuild their lives. They've moved back where the law of the land allows for the poor to go out into the fields and glean to get wheat or to get barley, to get grain to make bread so they can live and they can do this for free. The law allows them to go out into the fields and pick up what they can that's left over by the workers and take that home so they can have food. That was sort of God's built-in welfare law within the Bible. This is something that God had given to them through the law of Moses, that they would be able to care for themselves and show compassion to their neighbor and care about those that are weak and needy in their families. And so this is what Ruth did. She told her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi, I'm going to go out into the fields and I'm going to go look for food. And, and this was a dangerous proposition. So Ruth was going to go out as a woman all by herself out into the fields. But she had courage. Ruths have courage. Ruths are willing to put their lives on the line. Ruths are willing to serve and to go where others cannot go. And so Naomi stayed, and Ruth went out into the field. And she ends up in the field. And the Bible says that it's sort of, by the way, Ruth ended up in this certain field. But it was God that was leading her by that way, ending in this certain field. And the field that she was being led to was the field of a man named Boaz. And in this, we're going to see the faith of a man who is a man of generosity and a man who will help bring redemption to Ruth and to Naomi. And so the faith of Naomi and the faith of Ruth is going to be blessed and rewarded by God through a man named Boaz. And so in Ruth chapter 2, verse 8, we read what Boaz does and what he says to Ruth. He says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars, the men have filled. So God had led Ruth to this one field in the city of Bethlehem where she would be able to glean and get some food for her family. And it happens to be owned by a man named Boaz. And when both Boaz sees her, he wants to know something about her. And so his workers say, this is Ruth. This is Naomi's daughter-in-law. He had heard about this. And he knew what Ruth had done for her, daughter, for her mother. And so he blesses her. And he does what he can to protect her. And he tells his workers, you don't lay a hand on her. You don't hurt her. Hurt her. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to help her. I want you to even sort of leave some extra sheaves on the side. I want you to drop some grain so that she will have it and make it easier for her to take home. And so Ruth gets all this food. And while she's gleaning it and putting it all together, Boaz speaks to her and Boaz says, you know, not only do you have this, I want you to come and eat a meal with me first before you go home. And so he prepares his meal and he gives some of his food to Ruth. And they have a meal together. So Ruth gets to know him, know who he is, know his name. And then he takes the extra food. So she got leftovers. So she took the takeout and she brought it over to Naomi along with all the extra sheaves so they could have bread. And then she tells Naomi what had happened. I went out into a field. I went out into a field of a man named Boaz. 
And this is what he did for me. And she tells the story. And then in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, this is what Naomi says. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. The Lord bless him. Naomi's faith had not been lost. Naomi saw that the blessing was from the Lord. Naomi's hope was now being rekindled. And so then she says, he has not stopped showing, bless him, for he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is our guardian redeemer. And so Naomi has seen the generosity of Boaz. And then she says, I know Boaz. He's a relative of mine. Somehow he was a relative of Elimelech. And he is what is called our, our guardian redeemer or our kinsman redeemer. Again, in the law of God, there was provision for the caring of widows in this way. That if their husband died, then it would be someone else in their family that would come and marry her so that she would not be a widow. Or they would come and buy her land so that she would have money so that she could continue to live. And that's what a guardian redeemer was about. But they were also there so that they could provide within this new family structure an heir so that the dead man's family would continue to have the name go on. And that's why it would be a man in this case, Boaz, who would come and take Naomi to be his wife, but in this case, it wouldn't be Naomi. Naomi wanted to give Ruth to him. And so Naomi tells Ruth, this is what you do. Now remember, Ruth is a Moabite. She doesn't know the laws and the custom, but Naomi does. And so there's this very unique custom that happened in the East in those days, that when a woman wanted to let a man know that she was interested in him, and I don't fully understand how this all works. I mean, you can sort of paint a picture of it. But slaves would sleep at the feet of their masters. And they would even, in a cold night, be able to share some of the coverings of their master. There was a close bond between a slave and their master. And this was always assuming compassion and humility among the both of them. But then in this case, what would happen is the slave, in this case not a slave, but a woman would go to the master and lay at his feet. And this was sort of like a, a, a proposal of just saying, I'm available, right? And so she would just uncover his feet. Right? She would just uncover his feet. And then his feet, I guess, would get cold, and he would wake up, right? But in this case, instead of having cold feet and running away, um, they would get the warmies, and they'd look. And so then, in this case, um, Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night. If you read the story, you know what happened. And so Ruth did what Naomi told her to do, she laid down at the feet of Boaz while he was asleep. She uncovered his feet, all right? He got cold. He woke up. He saw Ruth, and he was startled. Oh, what are you doing here, all right? But then he knows the custom. Uncovered feet. Beautiful young woman. Wow. And not only a beautiful young woman, but a woman of character. A woman who's done something so great for my kinsman, Naomi, and you are interested in me? All right. And so he goes through, and he follows through. And the story ends with a beautiful love story of Ruth and Boaz getting married. Of Ruth and Boaz having a new family. 
and of God providing an heir for Naomi. And so we read in Ruth chapter 4, verse 16. Then Naomi took the child in her arms, the child that Boaz and Ruth had together. And he took the child and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So let us think about that for just a moment. At the end of the story, God blesses Ruth and blesses Naomi for their faithfulness, for their loyalty, and for their devotion. They bring them into the presence of a man named Boaz, a good man, a righteous man, a generous man, but a man who was also willing to redeem a family member. And it cost him. It cost him, and it risked, he risked his own inheritances. He risked his own fortune. But he knew what was right, and he did what was right. And he became that kinsman, that guardian redeemer. He redeemed Ruth. And redeemed a situation that had once been terrible into now something that was new and beautiful. And so God gave them a child. And Ruth and Boaz have a child and they name him Obed. And Obed grows and he has a son named Jesse. And Jesse grows and has a son who is King David of Bethlehem. And so God was working in the story of Ruth and in the story of Naomi in ways they couldn't understand. Because 28 generations later, after David, son and son and son, came the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. From the royal line of David, of which part Ruth was, that Jesus was the kinsman redeemer for you and for me, our guardian redeemer, who pays the price of our sins, who buys us back into his family, who gives us living bread, who gives us living water. In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says of himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus is that redeemer for you and for me. That if we are going through these trials time, if we are going through a time that really calls for faith, he is the one we put our faith in. He is the one that we can depend upon. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has given to us an opportunity of knowing complete redemption for the forgiveness of any sin. And in the same gracious love that Naomi had for Ruth, and Ruth had for Naomi, and Boaz had for Ruth, God has for you. We can see it in the form of a story on earth, the lower story. 
but we can see that in the midst of this lower story of what was happening on earth, there was an upper story, a larger story of the story of God, the story of a God who loves, the story of a God who's faithful, the story of a God who cares, the story of a God who understands pain and suffering because his own son went through pain and suffering. His own son died. And God wants you and I to know that there is hope and that there is new life and there is new joy if we will place our faith in the one who gives hope, if we will place our faith in the Redeemer of Jesus Christ and know his love and believe and follow and obey and live out our faith in the way we live and the way we speak and the way we give. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.